This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. MPB Think Radio. This is Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman along with writer Tab, portfolio manager at New Perspectives, also a co-author with his co-workers at New Perspective of the book Picky Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. Today we have a full house and everybody is from the U.S. Department of Agricultural Rural Development. We have John Rosenville, the state director here with us, uh, Johnny Jones, the housing programs director, also Justin Wilkes, public information officer. And like I said, they're all from the U.S. Department of Agricultural Rural Development and we're going to be talking about uh, everything that they do, specifically the loan and grant programs uh, that can benefit you. So if you have a question, you can join our conversation, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org And as always, write a is here for your personal finance questions, so don't be afraid to uh, ask those this morning as well. Uh, good morning, Ryder. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks, Java. We're missing our um, um, third wheel, I guess, <laughs> Nancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was spending some time with her, uh, her. Her daughter was in the country, so she was spending some time with her lately. So Okay. And Kevin, he's out doing radio business, so. <laughs> yeah, it sounds exciting in Austin, Texas. Yeah, like oh, all a nice place to be. Visit. Those conferences, I think. Those are, just, those are just covers for, um, you know, a good time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what uh, financial news is out there uh, in the, in the uh, area? Well, one thing we've been talking about a lot lately, on the domestic side, I'm not going to, you know, go into our international. Are we going to say tariffs? Uh, no, uh, you said it, well, not me. Uh, but no, we're not going to talk about that today. Um, on the domestic side, uh, there was a spending report came out. Uh, consumer spending is up a little bit. It's, you know, it's been creeping up. I mean, you expect over time consumer spending. And grows as the economy grows. People make more money. People spend more money, and and importantly, as prices go up. Um, and, and we've talked specifically about some prices going up before. Uh, so consumer spending rising is always, you know, different components of it. You know, part of it is people are making more money and therefore spending more money. You know, when you make more money, you spend maybe go out to eat a little more, maybe spend on more expensive goods. Um, but also, when with inflation coming in, uh, which is something we've kind of been looking for for a while, um, then, you know, you kind of buying the same basket of goods gets a little bit more expensive. That's also um, higher spending. So this is all in all, it's, it's a good sign. It looks it looks fairly good. And um, the numbers were were fairly solid there. So basically, the money makers are making money. <laughs> well, the money spenders are making money. And that's okay. important um, because, you know, we're hugely consumer economy, something like 70 percent of our economy or more is uh, is is people making and spending their money. And those people making and 
spending their money are usually um, people who are spending the highest percentage of their money are people uh, lower end of the income spectrum. So that means they're making more money. I get that. I'm on the lower end of the income spectrum. <laughs> well, I hope you make some more money and then spend a little and save a little. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. The saving uh, is important, y'all. The saving is important. Well, we got a, a, a big show today. Like I said, we are um, graced by the gentleman from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And for those uninitiated, that is the USDA. They are a gigantic organization. And uh, we're here with the Rural Development guys, uh, John Ronsville. Ron, Okay. So so we can't ask about like the difference between steak cuts, right? That's not it's not, not your department. Not not our not our world. Okay. See what I mean? Just the, U, the USDA. They do a lot. They, t- they touch hey, a lot they do of a lot. sections of your uh, of your life. And uh, but we're here with John Rouseville who uh, serves as the state director for um, the rural development arm of the USDA and uh, the development's housing program director Johnny Jones is here. Also Justin Wilkes, uh, public information officer. How how you guys doing this morning? Doing great this morning, Java. Thanks for having us on. Oh, no, we appreciate you guys for coming on. Um, for Like we said, you guys are a big organization. The uh, Department of Agriculture has many divisions, but tell us about the Rural Development Division. Right. Uh, well, here in Mississippi, I mean, the, the focus of rural development is to support community development in rural areas, and it, that covers a huge spectrum. Uh, in, our, in our agency, we do everything from housing for individuals to multifamily housing, to business programs, to rural electric programs, to rural broadband, to uh, essential community facilities and emergency response uh, equipment and vehicles, uh, and water and wastewater programs. so that, that's that's a that's a lot even within our smaller you know we're a, we're a smaller entity within USDA and as you as you noted you know USDA has a lot of different areas you know, the Department of Agriculture is re- is responsible for for a lot of different things uh, from you know production agriculture to community development to uh, agricultural statistics to as Ryder talked about beef cuts uh, <laughs> which I'm not prepared to talk about today it's been a long time uh, <laughs> since I studied animal science in, in college uh, I was in FFA in high school but uh, yeah all, all the the, uh, the animal cuts I, I just go by whatever the, the grocery store tells me so what is uh, I know when we were in school you learned about uh, I guess the different types of living areas suburban rural urban what is considered rural by our standards, and it varies by program. So, if if you just look at the state of Mississippi, I mean, we're we're obviously we're a very rural, rural state. state yes. uh, I think sixty percent of our population is classified as rural. Uh, in Mississippi, uh, though it varies by program, I could broadly say that we have programs that can assist uh, individuals or organizations, basically in everywhere except Jackson and Gulfport. Uh, if you look at our programs, and I'll, I'll just kind of briefly break them out. Uh, our housing programs, generally, you're looking at about uh, areas of 35,000 in population and less to qualify for the programs. For our water and wastewater programs, you're looking at 10,000 in, popula- 10, in population and less. Uh, for our community facilities programs, which is everything from uh, healthcare facilities to educational facilities to uh, fire departments and police departments and sheriff's departments.
departments, uh, your 20,000 or less in population. Uh, so it's, it, it varies by, uh, by what program within our agency that you're talking about. And, and our business programs, I'll mention that, uh, to qualify for our business programs, uh, you'd be in an area of 50,000 or less in population. So that, th- the, that allows us to cover a, a broad swath of, of every, every place in the state almost. Because just from my um, hearing of, you know, the uh, rural development uh, programs, I'm like, well, I wouldn't qualify. But depending on where I, where I am, um, even within what you may consider uh, the city, uh, you could qualify for your program. That's correct. So it's best to get out there and get that information. Yeah. And, and you know, people sometimes refer to us as the, uh, the, the, the government's best kept secret because we do offer a lot of different programs. And as a matter of fact, I think we're of our programs, uh, we've probably got 50 different individual programs uh, that, that can be utilized. Now, of those 50, um, probably I would, I would count probably 12 or 15 of those programs are, are, are popular with, with, our, with our users. Uh, obviously, single-family housing, uh, we, we, have, we, we were at one time, uh, before we became known as Rural Development, we were known as the Farmers Home Administration. <laughs> you know, the, 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 whole, the, whole, the whole mindset being, or the theory behind it, was uh, credit was, was uh, non-existent or unavailable in rural areas at one time. Um, you had poor communities that couldn't get uh, adequate access to, to credit. Uh, so the government stepped in and uh, provided these programs to help low to moderate income families uh, living in rural communities, often with, with uh, lower incomes uh, in those communities, you know, provide them a, an avenue uh, to, to, to have a safe, affordable uh, home. And of course, Homeownership promotes economic growth in the community. It, it starts that snowball effect. If you're just joining the program, this is Money Talks here on MPB Think Radio. We're talking with John Rouseville, um, State Director of the U.S. Department of Agriculture Rural Development. Also, we have uh, Johnny Jones, the uh, Housing Programs Director. And uh, Johnny, I guess um, we have several different services with agencies within rural development: rural utility service, rural business cooperative service, and the rural housing service um where does the housing aspect come in i guess with the um with, with what you guys do well within housing we have uh three different programs that we offer uh for single family homeowners uh, and all of these programs that we have are 100 percent financing so you don't have to have a down payment on any of these programs our largest use program is the guaranteed program uh, and this is actually a program that is financed or the lender is a lender outside our agency we provide the lender themselves with a guarantee for the loan and they actually table fund the loan we don't get involved with it they actually in other words if you go to a mortgage company or a uh, bank that provides 30-year mortgages, they can provide this product to them, and it's well used within our state. We've done over uh, $300 million for 10 years in a row in this state with this program. So all of your lenders out there are well familiar with the USDA Guarantee Program. Our other two programs are table-funded by us. It's our direct 502 program is what we call it. It's been around since the Housing Act of 1949, long time, and it's our our bell cow that's been around forever. Uh, we don't have as much funding in it. Uh, yearly, we do about 25 million in it, 
but uh, you can apply for those through our local or field offices. We have 13 of those that cover the 82 counties in our state. Uh, I would like at this point to tell you we do have a website that talks about all of our programs, and it's real important if you hadn't had a chance to go in there and look at that, to look at that, it's, it's uh, www.rd.usda.gov. And you can see about all of these programs. Uh, the last program that we have is our repair program, 504. And it's for very low-income families where they can get their house repaired with a grant or a loan. And we're going to talk about those um, throughout the show because I also want to, I guess, touch on like, it's what qualifies as low and also so moderately low-income. Um, and we'll, we'll take our first break for the hour. And if you have a question out there, you can join in our conversation, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're talking with the USDA's Rural Development Division. Also, if you have any personal finance questions, write a tab. It's sitting here and ready to help you out. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We'll continue our discussion after the break. And do you know when the USDA was created? Think about that. And we'll tell you when we return. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Money Talks here on MPB Think Radio. And if you miss any part of today's show, you can always listen again, mpbonline.org slash money talks. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast and download our MPB public media app. Today, our guests, John Rouseville and Johnny Jones from the USDA are here. And uh, Congress established the Agriculture Division within the Patent Office, within the Department of State. I hope I'm reading this right. In 1839, and then the Department of Agriculture culture was created in 1862 by Honest Abe, President Lincoln. Is that correct? I think so. Yes. I'll, everybody's I'll everybody's, everybody's not. Your script says, man. <laughs> everybody's not in their head like, yes. <laughs> All right. Now, like we said, the USDA um, does a lot in, it does a lot inside of the rural development. We're talking off uh, Mike about the different housing programs and we're going to get back into the, into that. But uh, let's go to the phone lines. We have Tony from Grenada and um, Tony, good morning. How are you doing? Fine, how are you? Good morning. Oh, we're all right. Go ahead and go with your question or comment. Um, uh, I recently located a business from uh, the Texas economy to here to Mississippi, and my um, question is is there uh, anything to do with the USDA that will uh, assist small businesses in their development? Because I see it coming from Texas and their strong economy, I see a lot of potential in the Mississippi economy when we, when it comes to agriculture and small businesses. Is there some small business programs that can assist people who want to bring small businesses to the state of Mississippi with the USDA? Sure, Tony. Uh, 
our most popular program. And let me say first, we're, we're, we've got a uh, uh, an agreement with the Small Business Administration where we're working together. The two agencies are working together uh, across the country where we are trying to leverage uh, the benefits and, and the value of each of our programs together. So, you know, USDA can rural development can bring things to the table. SBA can bring things to the table. Uh, specific to us, uh, we have a business and industry loan guarantee program where we provide uh, guaranteed financing to rural uh, to rural businesses. That could be a startup. That could be an expansion, uh, something that of that nature. And to qualify for that program, you know, you need to be working with a with a lender or, or bank, and and then we would work with that with that lender to. To basically be the backstop if it was a if it was a a risky loan for that for that for that lender um, to qualify for that program you need to be in an area of fifty thousand in population or less which you're in Grenada you'd, you'd be fine there so you'd qualify the, uh, that way so that's the the BNI loan guarantee is our is our number one uh, program in our business programs in terms of dollar value we do uh, you know any given year it'll, it'll fluctuate but this year we'll end up doing about thirty to thirty five million dollars in guaranteed loan finance for uh, for Mississippi businesses. We have some other business programs, but they are more directly related to agricultural production uh, in terms of value-added processing. Uh, and then we have, a, we have a rural business development grant, which is obviously a grant, not a loan. Uh, to qualify for that, you, you, could, you could use that to, to purchase equipment, uh, anything that uh, you might tie directly to the creation of jobs. So the way the rural business development grant would work is uh, you might have a, 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 a nonprofit or a, or a public body that serves as a sponsor that we can give the grant to, and then that entity could purchase equipment for, for, for your business and then lease that equipment to you at, at a very low rate. Um, there, was, there was a time where you could uh, lease that equipment directly to you for like a dollar a month or something like that, but that, mm-hmm. that's, that's viewed as a pass-through grant. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> so uh, it, it might not be quite quite market rate, but it'll be it'll be lower than you could get otherwise. So the, the BNI loan guarantee and the rural business development grant are probably the ones that you'd be most interested in. Well, my, my I do have a nonprofit that I'm looking at. My concern with Mississippi uh, is that the the variation and the and the and the food prices. I'm more of a food advocate uh, and per se. And what I'm looking to do is you know bring affordable food such as a hydro you know uh, Texas hydroponics is a very good model of bringing uh, taking um, using using the atmosphere and producing massive amounts of food to lower the food prices because I find that there's a great despair in the cost of food in Texas and the cost of food in Mississippi. And it's shocking to me how much difference there is in the prices in so much that I wrote a letter to the lieutenant governor in regards to a particular supplier and the vast uh, difference in the same exact thing that I purchased in Texas and then drove to Mississippi and it was three times more expensive. So my found, my uh, foundation and, and concern is bringing affordable food to food deserts and that's where i'm headed you know and i I did a change of course when i got here currently i'm i'm down here with working with the dod but 
My concern is bringing affordable food, fresh affordable foods to people in these regions. And that, that could be something you guys... Um, uh, absolutely. Uh, specific to the hydroponics, I've seen several of those projects. That's, that's gaining in popularity. Yeah, we I've had seen, a hydroponic uh, farm on our sister show, Deep South Dining, just yesterday, salad days, great. out in Flora. Yeah, we, we, we've had several entities approach us about that, um, about that concept. Um, with regard to the food desert, you know, particularly if you look over uh, areas in the Delta and such, uh, you've got some real problems in terms of access to, to fresh food. Um, we are working with several uh, uh, cooperatives, which are uh, who receive funding through us, socially disadvantaged uh, cooperative groups who are who are specifically focused on uh, you know fruit and vegetable production uh, to address that need. Of course. Uh, a lot more needs to be done in that area to to address the need because obviously there's there's a there's a lot of a uh, lot of issues with with access to fresh and affordable food. Yeah, that's that's always a a long winding road when you talk about fresh fresh food and access to food uh, here in Mississippi. But one thing you did talk about was a type of grant program and another one uh, the housing preservation grants. Um, and you don't have, I guess. Um, I don't want to say fully funding for everything, but we were saying that this is not, I guess, a big program, but it is available. It is available. We, we did have a, so the Housing Preservation Grant Program, uh, basically the way that works is to, to ensure that, uh, you know, that you might have a, a block of older homes. Uh, a nonprofit might want to get involved and purchase those homes, and then we would qualify for qualify that nonprofit to make sure they know what they're doing. They've, they've been to this rodeo before. Uh, but once we qualify them, uh, they could receive funding through the USDA uh, through USDA Rural Development through the Housing Preservation Grant to repair those homes and get them livable again, and then lease those out at, at a low rate. Uh, typically, it hasn't it just hasn't been a popular program in Mississippi for whatever reason. Uh, so to but say, we did not, have a good year this year. We did about uh, almost three hundred thousand dollars in grant funding for that program this year. I guess not to say it's not a, um, a, a a big program. It's just not popular, but it is available. It is because it is. we've um, we've uh, had um, conversations with individuals who are doing housing for uh, the homeless population mm-hmm. here in certain parts of Mississippi, and they were um, manufacturing tiny homes. Ah. And um, I just you know it's, it's good to have these conversations because people don't know things are available to them. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, also, we talked about the rural service utility service. I know one of our uh, coworkers here at MPB um, was talking about their parents live in a rural area and they are participants in the utilities service. Could you tell us more about that? Absolutely. That's a, that's a, it's a, it's a big program area for us in Mississippi, but you know, I, I guess just for some, for some flavor here, some, some history, you know, back before, you know, there was a time in the, in the, the, the early part of, of last century where it just wasn't cost effective for the power companies to provide electricity to rural areas. Right. Uh, same with telephone. That's when the rural utility service was initially created to step in and fill that gap. To say, we have people out here, they need utilities. They need utilities. <laughs> uh, but for financial reasons, you know, the power companies just couldn't make make it cash flow. You know, they've got to see a return on their investment. So that's a perfect area for the government to step in and say, look, there's a need that needs to be addressed. So that's kind of the, the history there. Uh, but rural utility service for us, I mean, we're talking uh, – 
electric lo- uh, power loans to some of our, our, our electric power cooperatives in Mississippi. We probably did, um, I think we did just over $50 million in loans to the electric power cooperatives last year to uh, make upgrades, extend transmission lines uh, and distribution lines, things of that nature. We have a telecommunications program. We have a broadband and internet program. Um, and then you also have uh, water infrastructure that would that would be, uh, it's not, it's a separate program, but it's still a, a, an essential rural utility. So could you go back a little bit? I know, um, at least from watching the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, that the rural, electric, or rural electrification was a really big, seen as a really big and transformative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you were talking a lot about how your, y'all's efforts are rural revitalization, you know, supporting rural economies. Um, and now the broadband and telecommunications, how do y'all see that fit? in do you do you do you see that really is that as beneficial and transformative as some people you know make it out to seem or are you still kind of testing the waters with that what's that like look I, I think I think you make a great analogy and I think it's the perfect analogy anybody who questions today the importance and value of having broadband in your community just look back to the 1930s uh, as important as having electricity you know mm-hmm. certainly there were naysayers back then that said I don't want electricity who needs, who needs that <laughs> I've got candles <laughs> and, and I go to bed at night. Exactly. <laughs> well, today you have the same uh, the same thing happening with, with broadband. Uh, the way the world works today, the way we're connected, it's all through the Internet. And if you don't have uh, reliable uh, and high-speed Internet, you're just not going to grow. You're, mm-hmm. you're never going to reach your potential. So uh, broadband is an area where we're strongly focused in. Uh, the Trump administration has provided, uh, uh, just made a big push in terms of broadband infrastructure uh, through rural development. In the omnibus bill that was passed in the spring, there's an additional $600 million made available uh, in grants and loans uh, for broadband uh, Mm -hmm. infrastructure development. It's not – so we have uh, – you know, depending on what who your internet service provider is, mm-hmm. it could be C Spire, it could be AT and T. You know, just like we talk, talked a little while ago uh, about, you know, it, it has to cash flow for them. It, they have to have a right. business case for providing that service, and everybody should understand that. Uh, but there are certainly gaps uh, that you know, there's it's just not cost effective for them to provide service to certain areas. Well, somebody's got to come in and fill that gap. You have a handful of independent telephone companies left in the state, and we've done some broadband loans to uh, like Calling City Telephone Company, Smithville, uh, one to Southeast Mississippi Telephone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is some activity, um, but I don't think enough, enough, not enough communities yet have so stepped what, in to, to take the risk on making the investment. What, okay, so is it the community's not stepping up that's stopping y'all from just being like, snap your fingers and everyone has broadband? Well, I think it's not just the community's not stepping up. It, there's a big technical gap. You know, I wouldn't advocate... So with our broadband, broadband program, we can give funding either to, for example, a, a small town mm-hmm. or to an internet service provider, mm-hmm. um, which would be a private individual, right? right? And either one can own and operate that infrastructure. I wouldn't advocate for a minute that uh, you know, municipality get every in the little business. small town start running <laughs> yeah. it. That, that it doesn't sound easy. You know, the folks sitting around this table here, 
I barely know what broadband. I know how broadband works. I know what it is. I know I like it. I pay my bill. Exactly. Uh, but I wouldn't advocate that people just jump in and come get come get financing from us to to build out their own infrastructure uh, for broadband. But they, they a, a unique aspect to this is there are a handful of wireless internet provider startups. You know, wireless is 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 never going to be as well. I say never. It might be, but it's not going to be as effective as is fiber mm-hmm. uh, in terms of speed and then you've got geography issues you know mm-hmm. you're trying to shoot a signal through pine trees and over hills it's problematic but you do have a, a, a handful of wireless internet providers that are that are starting up and I'm working with uh, one of those right now in two areas in Mississippi so I really feel like if that works um it just, it's just going to take one community that does it, and then everybody's going to say they did it. So can we? That's what we're going to do. Yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah, I think having that access to that type of uh, technology is uh, essential. Like you said, in, t- in today's time, it also um, eliminates. Uh, it's an ugly word, but a form of segregation. Because if you don't have it, you can't participate in certain um, technological activities. Um, you know, and just because of where you stay doesn't shouldn't. Uh, you know, um, in hinder you from participating <laughs> and, and, tip, and you know that's that's nowhere truer than in rural areas i mean if you want to you know it's, there's been a lot of press recently about uh millennial loss in mississippi we're losing our young people we're losing our educated young people yes uh if we don't provide for that quality of life in these rural communities which includes broadband service, then those communities are going to continue to dry up. You know, if we say that's okay, well, that's fine. We'll just all pack it up and go home. But we need to be working to preserve those communities and lift them up. And, and broadband is, is, is an essential element of that infrastructure to, to make the to make a local economy work. So we, we've got to work on getting it done. Yeah, today we're talking with John Rouseville and about to bring Johnny Jones into the program from the USDA. I promise you, Johnny, you've been sitting over there quiet, man. <laughs> if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We're going to get into the all-important uh topic of housing, rural housing, and how they can help you out. So join our conversation. Send us an email, money at mpbonline.org. And did you know, in addition to loans, there are also grants available, and we're going to be talking about some of those when we come back. Also, how they can help you get into a house. (laughs) You're listening to Money Talks here on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks. 
Chapman here along with Ryder Tan, Portfolio Manager and New Perspectives. And our guests today are John Rouserville and Johnny Jones from the U.S. Department of Agriculture Rural Development Division here in Mississippi. And if you want to join the conversation, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Now, earlier um, in the program, we talked about the guarantee, the direct, and is it the repair? Loans um, for housing. Also, you guys have grants for housing, correct? Correct. <clears throat> the The grant program is just for repairs, though, Java. Uh, okay. It's in, uh, and you have to be uh, 62 years of age or older and very low income to qualify for it. It's a $7,500 grant that we provide. Uh, What's the application process for something like that? Well, uh, what they need to do is contact one of our local offices. We have, like I said earlier, 13 of them that serve our 82 counties. And you can go into our internet, the website, to find out the phone number and office location and what county they cover. Um, and it's www.rd.usda.gov. So, uh, and they'll be glad to furnish them with an application for them to get back uh, to them and uh, what they need to bring, the information they would need to bring to now, do that. Uh, with, the, with the grant, is it, um, I guess, what can you use the money for and, you know? It's basically uh, to use for remove safety, health hazards in the home. Uh, and this is a high demand program in this state. I can with, imagine. With not a lot of funding that goes along with it. We, mm. we probably lead the nation every Every year in in our 504 program, we it's a loan part to this as well. Uh, it's a we can go up to twenty thousand dollars for a loan, and it's a one percent loan. So if you can't get a grant, uh, a one percent loan is about the next best thing. That's cheap money, right? And and another neat part of it is this, and when we do a lot with the elderly with this, they don't mind paying something back a lot of times. Uh, and But what they really don't want to do is put some kind of mortgage against their property. So we can make a loan up to $7,500 without taking a mortgage. Also, if they qualify for a grant, that's another $7,500. So we can give them $15,000 in repair money to, to fix up their home, to have it safe and livable for them, you know, where they want to stay. And... Uh, you know, basically, a thousand dollar loan at one percent figures out to about four dollars and sixty seven cents a month payment over twenty years. So, wow. and we can finance those things for twenty years. So that's not much, and a lot of them are, are, are like I said, are willing to do that and and are happy with that. And uh, most of them are, are uh, excited about that that program. It's one of our most satisfying programs, but yet we don't get a lot of funding in it. So you said that that's one of the most popular but least funded so is that just at some point in the year y'all run out of money and start turning people away or how what's what's the process look like for y'all we get funding of course the government's physical year runs from october 1 to september the 30th Mm -hmm. uh and sometime after the physical year starts uh if congress doesn't pass a budget they'll pass a continuing resolution and we'll get some type of funding and they'll give us this money usually uh when it's allocated to the states and it comes out of our national office Uh, We use this money fairly quickly, but they break it up and they'll give it to us 
incrementally during the year. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have money available right now. It's toward the end of the year. What they'll do is they'll, if states aren't using their money, they'll pool this money at this time of the year because we're getting close to the end. Mm -hmm. And by Mississippi using their money, we can go back and get money from other states that haven't, haven't used it through this pooling process. So we do wow. have money available. So kind of just apply if you think you need it. Correct. There's no, no secret day to apply. That's or, right. You know, That's right. Not and and it may it. be a period of time there where we're out of funds where you have to get on the list because it is a high demand. Mm -hmm. And it may be a period of time there that they have to wait uh, before we can get funding for them. Awesome. Yeah, this is this is good because uh, when I learned about this program, I thought about um, on our sister show, um, Fix It 101, we talked about universal design where you um, may uh, get your home, I guess, up to a specific place where it's accessible for anybody. If you have a walker, you're in a house, you need to widen your doorways, um, switch out to light switches so you can make them touchless and sensorless and stuff yeah. like that. So this is a great, a great program. Right. That's it, a big that's a big thing for people looking to retire in their homes. Um, yeah, because it's about aging, as they say, yeah. aging in place. So, look, you know, if, you, if you're, if you you said it was over 62. Over 62, over 62. And they have to be very low income, which is below 50% yeah. of the median uh, so, to qualify for that program. Yeah, so if you're over 62, low income, but you own your home and want to stay there, you know, get it ready for, for when you're <laughs> 75, 85, and you, you, you can't move around like you used to anymore. That's right. It's a great use. Now, uh, we also uh, talk about the single family housing guaranteed loan program uh, you, where eligible applicants, they may build, rehabilitate, improve, or even relocate? Right. Uh, ba uh, the, the guaranteed program is for purchase, uh, and we can do rehab with that purchase. We can't just do rehab with it, though. It has to be a purchase or a construction build so product. So fix maybe right. a fixer-upper. Right. If you, or if you buy a home, and, and of course, all of our products you have to uh, be the owner occupant of it we don't buy we don't use any of our programs for investors it's, a, it's strictly home ownership so uh, in the guaranteed program if you buy an existing home and it needs obviously some work done to it we can include that in the loan for repairs on that on that home when when, we, when they when the lender makes the loan and again it is a program that is driven by our lenders in the state which would be a bank or a mortgage company all of them have to do 30 year mortgages. This is, is a requirement of this program. It has to be, have a 30-year mortgage with it. And uh, all, uh, again, one of the neat features about it is there is no down payment. We can finance 100% of the appraised value. There is a 1% guarantee fee that we charge the lender. Uh, this pays for this program, and one of the neat parts about it is by doing that, uh, it is not a burden on the taxpayer. This program pays for itself through the lenders. A lot of times the lenders will put that back into the loan. If they do, we can loan that to the individual and finance it over 30 years. So we can do a 101% of the appraised value. And you're listening to uh, Johnny Jones, um, Housing Program Director for the USDA Rural Development Division. Also have John Rosenville, the State uh, state Director here. Uh, the last one is a Single Family Housing Direct Home Loan assists low and very low income applicants obtain decent, safe, and sanitary housing in eligible rural areas providing payment assistance. 
explain that a little bit more. Okay. It is our direct product where we actually table fund the loan. They come to one of our 13 offices and apply, very similar to the repair program. Uh, it does have subsidy involved with it, which you just mentioned, payment assistance. Uh, we make the loan, and, and it, we can go up to 33 to 38 years for that loan product with, with our table fund direct pro, uh, loan. Uh, the payment assistance comes in. We verify a person's income based on what uh, they borrow versus what the regular interest rate is, which right now ours is at 3.75. Uh, we can provide them with payment assistance where we can lower that interest rate all the way down to 1% uh, to make them be able to afford the, 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 the home. Uh, we re-verify that income yearly. If their income goes up, their payment will, will go up. It would never go above what the regular interest rate is, which is right now at 3.75. Though once they hit that plateau, they would just come off of payment assistance and pay the regular note rate. Now, Ryder, where else can you get a, I guess, a home loan for one percent? Um, I'm not sure. That's <laughs> really cheap. And just like you said earlier to, um, in the show, uh, John, well, you guys are basically almost kind of like a bank when it comes to these type of programs. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if you don't know, that's my thing about access to information. If you don't know, you wouldn't you wouldn't know to look to you guys. That's right. That's right. Uh, we the, the bulk of what we do is 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 loan financing. Uh, we do have a, a good good bit of grant money for various programs, but you know. As I described to you, I mean, the way I view us is we're, we're just like a bank. We're not competing against uh, commercial lenders. We're stepping in to fill a gap to uh, to provide financing to areas and for programs that the commercial sector just isn't able to, to provide. Java, one, one thing, too, we need to, all of our programs are income-based. In other words, you have to qualify based on an income. For instance, the guarantee program, we can go up to a moderate rate of income, which right now in the state, you have to make $82,700 or below for one of, uh, to, for a family of one to four. Uh, with our direct programs, it's, it's less than that. Uh, the, 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 the direct home loan program, you have to be at a 80% of median income for the county or state, whichever is greater. Uh, all of these income limits are on our website, so I would encourage anybody interested in that to go look at that. It's even got a, a, a place in there where you can put your income in. We do allow adjusted income. In other words, we can give deductions for uh, if you have children, if, you have, if you're paying for daycare, we can deduct that out. So you can make a little bit above these uh, loan limits and still qualify, and there's a place in there where you can enter all of that and, and determine what you would qualify for, whether it would be a guaranteed loan or a direct loan. Okay. And that's at uh, www.rd.usda.gov. We had a question come uh, from a, a caller. If someone purchased a home prior to being eligible for the uh, rural development grants, can they refinance? I guess with you guys? We do have refinance. It's usually with our own products. Uh, a lot of times to the other part of refinancing from outside you have to be in a uh, our regs require us 
to they would have to be in a foreclosure situation or about to lose their home before we can get involved in refinancing from outside. Okay. okay. So we're, we're there to step in for someone who can't afford. Uh, you know, if you can already get a loan through a commercial lender and you can you can service that loan on yourself, uh, on your own, then, you know, there's really not a, a need for our programs. But we, the program exists uh, where those situations exist. All right. Well, we'll take our last break for the hour. Um, if you want to get your your question in, you can go ahead and make that call right now. One eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. How can the USDA help your life in rural Mississippi? Go ahead and join the conversation. Ask that question. One eight seven seven MPB ring, or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We'll be here to wrap up the program right after this break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman along with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager in New Perspectives. Also with our guest, uh, Johnny Roundsville, um, the State Director of USDA Rural Development Division, and Johnny Jones, the Housing Program Director. Also, Justin Wilkes doing a very good job of public information officering um, sitting in the background. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, see if we can take these calls before the end of the program. We have Willie in Leakesville. Good morning, Willie. How are you doing? I just heard about this loan, and, and I definitely need it. I said, oh, something, that's great. That's really great. <laughs> All right. Well, go ahead and, um, I guess, kind of explain your situation so, so we can get you to the uh, correct place. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm in Leakesfield, Mississippi, 39451. And my phone number six zero one seven seven. Well, no, don't do that. Don't do that. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> Willie. We'll. Um, what do you need me to do? L- let us give you our phone number. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Hey, uh, Willie. The office that serves your area is in Hattiesburg. Okay. And their number is six zero one. Six zero one. Two six one. Wait, repeat. Uh, two six one. Two six one. Three two nine three. Three two nine three. Correct. And uh, probably you're going to get a automated system when you call in. There'll be extension four. Extension four. Oh, I sure appreciate this. All right. Thank you uh, for calling in, Willie. And uh, if you are out there and you want to get hooked up with your local office, also, also you can visit the website, www.rd.usda.gov. And um, before we wrap up the program, we had <laughs> we always get the calls at the end of the show. Uh, Johnny, uh, John, I'm, I'm sorry, you wanted to talk about uh, some of the other things that your department does, including with... Uh, 
water. Yeah, we have a very large water and wastewater uh, program in Mississippi, very successful. We have, at Rural Development, we have one of the one of the largest water and wastewater portfolios in the country here in Mississippi. Uh, we work, work very closely with Mississippi Rural Water Association. They represent the you know there are there are more than a thousand individual water systems across Mississippi, and nobody thinks about you know when we think about water, we just turn on the faucet and there it is. But there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to to provide that water, to provide safe and affordable water. Uh, so the, the existence of our program is is to is to provide the uh, provide the means to make that happen. So we we provide. Uh, Financing uh, about typically we'll do about thirty-five to forty million dollars a year in loans and grants to individual water systems uh, to support uh, you know new wells, tanks, uh, extending lines, things of that nature. Uh, it's just one of those things that that people never think about. Uh, why doesn't my water cost more than it does? Well, it's because we're providing low interest rate, rate loans uh, that those systems are using to make sure that you have safe and affordable water every morning when you get up. And that's, yeah, like you said, that's what you don't really think about uh, what it all takes to get their water to your faucet. You you want it and you just turn it on, but it's a lot of work and a lot of monies that goes, goes toward that. Right, right. And then, then beyond that, you know, we, we do a, a lot of work with... Uh, Police departments and, and fire departments, we, we provide grant funding and loans for emergency response equipment like police cars to body cams to fire trucks and firefighting equipment, just al- almost anything under the sun. And that is something I would not have thought about from, yeah, from you yeah. guys, the USDA rural development. <laughs> well, typically, the, uh, you know, the, the, the towns that qualify, that qualify for those programs, you'd be 20,000 and less in population. But typically, they're, they are, they're, they've got their own grant writers or they're working with their local public uh, 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 public development district uh, to to put those packages together, and then they they work with us. So it's you know the individual may not know about those programs, but I guarantee you the the local officials generally do know about our programs. Oh yeah, they're, they're looking for all available money. Uh, and speaking of money, um, you just recently um, uh, I guess touted uh, an achievement here in the state with the Center of Entrepreneurship in Starkville that a hundred thousand dollar grant set up. Yeah, uh, Mississippi State has a very interesting entrepreneurship development program where they're working with students. Uh, I think they've got over 100 student startup businesses right now that they're facilitating. Uh, they've had several successful startups that have started you know, with students, um, engineering students or marketing students, whomever, uh, and they've now uh, graduated and are continuing that business in town, in Startable. Um, so that's very important. Going back to you know addressing population loss and uh, particularly addressing the fact that we're losing college graduates, we need to keep folks in state, and you know that goes back to providing quality life, providing the means uh, to make sure they can operate their businesses. So with with that grant, we had the uh, assistant to the secretary for rural development, my my direct boss uh, down in Mississippi, uh, last Monday with uh, Senator Wicker and Senator Hyde Smith. And they announced a $100,000 grant to the Entrepreneurship Center where they're going to, uh, the on-campus facility has been so successful, they want to take that out to the community. So they're creating a separate uh, makerspace, Entrepreneurship Center, in downtown Starville to serve serve the public. So we're, we're able to, to step in and provide uh, funding that will provide uh, equipment, furnishing, and training for that facility to get them up and going. Sort of, sort of like a little incubator. Uh, exactly. That's exactly what it 
it is. Okay. Well, that's um, yeah, and it's, that, except it's hot. It's it's technology focused, which te- makes it a little different. And which goes to what we were saying earlier with the uh, the broadband and getting it out to rural services, mm-hmm. rural areas. Exactly. You, you, you got to have all the pieces, and we, we've got funding for the pieces. It's just a matter of deploying them. Yeah. Now we want to um, just make sure that everybody understands that if you want to uh, find out more information about the USDA rural uh, development, you can visit the website rd.usda.gov. Lots of programs, lots of uh, grants, depending on if you qualify. And it's very simple. All you have to do is just visit the website, correct? That's right. Visit the website, and then you will be on your way. I uh, want to thank you guys for coming in this morning. Uh, really appreciate all the information. Thanks for having us on. Thank we you. appreciate it. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio and is funded in part by generous financial support from our listeners. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so you can listen on demand. Today's show was produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. For writer Tav and Johnny, John Roundsville, Johnny Jones, I'm Java Chapman. And up next is our Tuesday 10 a.m. show in legal terms. Join us again next Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks, only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.